welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we conclude our discussion of As You Like It. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash lionfaceproductions. And now, on with the show. Iphigenia and other daughters that we saw tonight, because we talked a lot about uh, what you saw mm-hmm. when we, because we all partook in some theater. Um, Iphigenia and other daughters is a, an adaptation of Euripides. Uh, it was three, three plays by Euripides: Iphigenia and Aulis, Electra, and then Iphigenia and Taurus. Um, really interesting and a lot less dry than Iphigenia, mm-hmm. you know, or like or Euripides by by his lonesome. Uh, this was an adaptation by I have it here somewhere. Oh, there it is. By Ellen McLaughlin that uh, Sarah Chambers directed. And, you know, I go way back with Sarah. Uh, mm-hmm. The last show I did at BGSU was directed by Sarah Chambers. Um, and it was great to have her involved with doing a Lion Face show. Um, you know, albeit a staged reading. And uh, it was it was delightful. About 75 minutes of, you know, with, the, with three different parts, you know, adapted from three different plays. And it really brought an interesting perspective to the Euripides. I'd say Beth and Chase, you were both there, so how did you... Well, I was really intrigued by... Anytime we start talking about how women... How women interact in mythology and in history, how they deal with the parts that they're dealt. Yes. is always interesting to me. So, Iphigenia is... She's a sacrifice. Yep. How do you as a woman deal with the fact that your entire purpose in life, you are cut short in your life because your father, who first of all tells you you're going to a marriage. She's going to a wedding because she thinks she's a different kind of sacrifice. She's supposed to marry Achilles. Yeah. So who is she? So we see these three sisters and a brother. And I really enjoyed... The children of of Clytemnestra and... uh, Agamemnon. Agamemnon. So we've got Iphigenia, who is... The firstborn. Yeah, so I'm going to call her the was. Or the is. All she is, or all she ever was, was an image and a sacrifice. And then the second second daughter... uh, I cannot remember her name. It's okay. She is... This, she's just the... I keep wanting to say chrysanthemum, and I know that's she's, not right. She's a witness. She never does anything. No, she sees. She just sees. And there's Electra, who is the do. Mm-hmm. And her do she's is... She's the id. Yeah, so she is um, railing uselessly against everything that's gone on in her life. The removal of her father, when her mother kills her father. The removal of her brother from her life. The removal of her eldest sister from her life and all of the things that she feels that need to be revenged and she goes crazy and she can't do anything about it and then her brother who Orestes, is the, yeah yeah who is the actual action of the play and he's the one who can actually do anything about it and but he, he is stuck yeah. because all he ever does is just do what other people tell him well so, he's a soldier and, yeah, yeah so so beautiful things done there but well, and actually, one of the things I like about that, before we get to your butt, is the way that that brings up... My bottom. Not your bottom. My bottom line. Your butt, your B-U-T, not your B-U-T-T, mm-hmm. um, is Orestes understanding that that what he is and what he has become is is a, a toxic masculinity thing, is where he is... And he really does seem to understand that... Like, he does, hey, he understands... I'm not a bad place. It's yeah, a bad thing. I'm in a terrible place, and I do this because, you know, I am told to do this. But it brings up an interesting thing about the way women are treated in classic literature, especially when we deal with the the ineffectiveness of Electra. No matter how she rails, she can't do anything. I'm going to say with impotence. Yeah. Hmm? 
There is, yeah. there is, and when we look at women historically, we often are looking at their impotence against their situation. They well, have, we see it from all of the women in that play with Clytemnestra and everything else. There is, well, Clytemnestra, she has... She has at least done something. She has her own agency. She's like, and she has the line in there. She's like, I didn't do nothing. I was in the middle of the drama. I killed that guy yep. who killed my daughter. I got in the middle and I made changes. I ran a whole fucking country. Yep. I am a queen. Um, so, the, and there is a lot of that impotence. That Electra, and especially. It's something bodies. we've talked about in Shakespeare plays, too. That lack of agency, that lack of being able to do anything about your fate. Of I, My father gets to pick who I marry. My father gets to decide where my life goes. And then, once I am married and out of his house, my husband gets to decide where my life goes and mm-hmm. what happens to me. Yep. It is not about me. None of my life is about me. It's about my kids. It's about my husband. And... Um, I don't know about you, Cassie, but there's always been a point in my life where I realized that no matter what I do, I will always be defined by the men in my life. My last name is a great point. It's my father's last name, and then when I was done with my father's last name, it was my husband's last name. And even when I didn't take my husband's last name to begin with, I ended up changing it because I wanted to have my children's last name. It just so happens that both of my children are male. So again, the men in my life are who define how uh, how the rest of the world sees me from time to time. And maybe it's I take a big chip on my shoulder about it because I'm also in a very male-dominated industry because I'm a banker, even though there are more women in banking than there are men. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of my life has that, that kind of like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I will always be in some way denoted by the men who are around me. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. But there's, I mean... When I say impotence, I mean, there is literally nothing I can do about that. That's how our surnames go. I could go and change my surname. To well, and, else, and, but, and but we, even then, I am defined by the fact that I changed my surname so I wouldn't be related to a male surname. Well, and we actually, we have a, a friend. Actually, I have a couple of friends that instead of their... When they were married, when, when, they, when they got married, they, instead of taking... Instead of the, their wife taking their last name, they took their wife's last name. Right. I actually have a, a couple instances, yeah. you know, of, of of that in my life where, you know, like a couple of different friends have actually taken their wife's last name instead right. of the other way around, which is, you know, how it traditionally goes. And I'm not saying that the tradition is right in that. It's just that that is how uh, and I'm not, it has gone. I'm not passing judgment one way or another on the actual tradition. I'm just saying that, that there is still that um, that same connection. And it is a connection that I feel very distinctly through the ages going back to other women who we read about, who we talk about, even we talk about powerful women like Boudicca. Oh, I love Boudicca. We could, I, I, do, I could do an entire podcast just talking about her for an I episode. do as well, but when we come back to Boudicca, I, Boudicca is a queen because her husband was a king. Her husband dies and everything like that, but we still relate to Boudicca. To, to go on with actually with the last name thing, my daughter's favorite book to have me read to her at bedtime. Like it's not It's not a book that she ever asked Hannah to read to her. It's the book she asked me to read to her, and it's... Uh, a book about Elizabeth Cady Stanton. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that's amazing. No, yeah, she. We. Yeah, First she, of all, I didn't even know there was. I'm. Is I've it, read books about Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Why Elizabeth marched? Is that the book? Uh, uh, no, that's. I. That's not the name of it. Is something okay. about Elizabeth Cady paves the way or something. Yeah. I don't. I don't know the exact title off the top of my head. But it's a book about Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and then my daughter asked me to read there like last night. Uh, Hannah had to work late, and so it was just me and Izzy at bedtime. And she goes, "This uh, the book's already in here. Here's the here's the bedtime book tonight." And it's almost always if it's just me and Izzy, she asks me to read that book. And I love reading her that book because I think it's important for her to know and everything like that. And you know, and to explain to her like, no matter everything that Elizabeth Cady Stanton did. As Elizabeth Cady, and then when she married Henry Stanton and everything else, and everything she did, and like the fact that she reviewed, she would not take Henry Stanton's last name 
alone, but she would take his name and add it to her name. Um, a common thing done in English households at the time, by the way. Um, well, it was American household, you know, when you know she was born in the 1800s here in the U.S. But um, that still, even after everything she did, it still took another 18 years after her death. Before women had the right to vote, and Cassie just got a real sad face because she dropped a Reese cup on the floor. Now she gets to decide of how clean is your floor. Oh, it is not clean enough. (laughs) Not clean enough to eat that Reese cup. No. Um, But no, the fact that like it still took 18 years after Elizabeth Cady Stanton died before the movement she started reached fruition. Actually, I don't know that she ever got to vote. She didn't. She died 18 years before suffrage was granted to uh, women. Alice Paul is my other favorite uh, suffrage. But no, no, I love I love reading that book to Izzy because I think it's important for her to understand mm-hmm. that, you know, like, there have been, you know, important, strong role models for her, you know. Yeah. Much like... Rosalind like and Celia. Rosalind and Celia. Oh, we're like 11 it. minutes into the Shakespeare podcast and haven't mentioned the show we're talking about at all. Well, Hi, I'm Shakespeare producer. <laughs> I'm Beth Roars, one of your hosts. Cassie Greenley. I'm Ryan. back on track. I'm Ryan, and we actually, that segue was not as bad as a Beth segue. <laughs> Beth segues are patented and the worst. amazing. No, but I think talking about the feminism with this play is a really good way to start this discussion because you do have at least two really strong powerhouse women characters in this. In in this play, Rosalind and Celia are Rosalind and Celia, and you can even make four women in this play. Yeah, there are only four, and a huge cast. Yeah, they all get married. People, all four, all get married. And in fact, two of them seem to be solely devised to get married. To get married. Actually, mm-hmm. one is entirely just so Touchstone has somebody to marry at the end of the play. Um, yeah, that's Audrey. Audrey yeah. is Who's Audrey? literally okay. But sure. We've got in Rosalind and Celia, we have two. I think of the strongest women in Shakespeare plays. And what I really like about Rosalind is that. Shakespeare has written this character who is this strong-willed woman, this independently-minded woman, and she falls head over heels in love and doesn't fight it. And that's what I love about it, is that it shows that you can be strong-willed, independent, and still go, he's really pretty, I like him a lot, I want to marry him, but I'm still a strong, independent woman. Absolutely, and you can go... Gaga, because she does. She oh, she does. She goes and she goes totally vulnerable, totally Gaga. We see vulnerable moments with her where she almost passes out at the thought of a lion attacking the man that she loves. But we also I mean, then, to be fair, I probably would too. I think you're a strong woman as well. Well, and we have some. We have some great. Thank you, Vivi. You're welcome. Drink your water. Some, we have some great actresses who have played this role over the years as well. Vanessa Redgrave, Helen Mirren, Opie. Patty Lupone, Opie's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, Opie's daughter. Yes, um, I, have, can never, I can never remember her name. Bryce Dallas Howard, who is in the as as there almost always seems to be the Branagh version of we're the gonna, play. We're eventually going to run out of our favorite plays and run out of Branagh's, which, by the way. He has not done Julius Caesar or Cleopatra. No, yes. Uh, Kenneth Branagh has done neither of those. But he has done a version of As You Like It back in 2006. It was beautiful. I loved it. it and gorgeous. Bryce Dallas Howard uh, plays Rosalind. Helen, Helen Mirren, who is phenomenal, and I love Helen Mirren, and, and I would, like... I would marry Helen Mirren were I not blissfully wed. Hannah? No, I said were I not blissfully wed. Um, Because Helen Mirren is amazing. Mm -hmm. And back in the 70s, late 70s, Helen Mirren played Rosalind. Vanessa Redgrave played Rosalind in the 60s. Patti LuPone did it at the Guthrie in Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah, Like so many, so many famous female actors are drawn to the role of Rosalind for a reason. Yeah, but I I like that when you when you think about 
What do you think about listing Shakespeare's strongest female characters? You get Beatrice. Yep. You can make an argument for Catherine in Taming of the Shrew. Catherine, Beatrice, Cleopatra, Cleopatra Rosalind. Rosalind. Yeah. I like that, yeah, yeah. I like that we have the characters like Viola, like Rosalind, who act in a way as the antithesis to Beatrice and Catherine who are dragged kicking and screaming into being in love. Right. And they're almost like I do not need a man. If I have a man, if I, I have lose a man, me. I lose me. Whereas you've got Rosalind, like I don't need him, but I want him. Yeah, and Rosalind, yeah, Rosalind totally goes the, that direction. She's like, yeah, she's she, like, no, he's she pretty. pretty. She pretty much breaks down. Like I like his butt. I like his face. I like his arm. He's got I a, like he's, it when he wrestles. I like it when he's he got a nice. Talks. He's got a nice butt. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to touch and it. So not only, <laughs> I'd like to touch it. Not only am I gonna be in love with him, I'm gonna concoct this convoluted plan to spend more time oh, with him. I'm it's gonna so- be so, I'm gonna be so weird about it that I'm gonna pretend to be a dude that's trying to get him to not be in love with me. And I just, Rosalind is so. Hashtag extra, and I think I'm using that correctly, but I would have to verify with the children. I don't know how um, that works, but yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. She she definitely she's so she's extra. extra. She's so extra, but I love it. I do, I do love it, and I love. You that- can tell she's extra from the way Celia interacts with her. Yeah. She's like, stop. But I also love Celia in the background of this because Celia, is- she's just like. Real, okay, I'm just gonna sit back and watch how this goes, and I'm gonna get me a love interest who's not embroiled in whatever weirdness you're doing. Well, and Celia, Celia, her love interest is an afterthought because our late, yeah. you know, Oliver shows up at the end. They like they meet it's at like, the end of like Act Four and get married in Act Five. Have you ever had that friend who gets with some guy who's like great, and you look at her and you go, "Does so and so have like a brother?" Cause he. That's exactly what happens to Celia. Because yeah, yeah. Orlando suits cute and really well put together. And but I'm smart. not sure I like that he literally wants to fight. So he's got a nice butt, but time. he wants to fight everything. So if we could turn down his just a little bit, does he have one of those? Can we can we make him then, less extra? And then Oliver comes in and is like, "I am the less extra version." Except for the snake around my neck. Oliver's like, I'm the original recipe, and Orlando is extra tasty crispy. <laughs> oh goodness! So it's the KFC of brothers. I, I need to I need to let everybody know that while I was researching for this podcast, I came across a group called the Summertime uh, Summertime Readings S O M Summertime. Okay, which this is a group that does like nine to ten minute reenactments of Shakespeare plays done with little Playmobil figurines. Excellent. Um, okay. I'm intrigued already. <laughs> it was it was amazing. But their difference between like the Duke and the Duke's brother was the difference between like like one having red hair and one having an eye patch. <laughs> like I've got an eye patch and a and a beard, so I'm Bizarro Duke. Um, sorry, that was a C Lab 2021 uh, reference. And w- when they did Oliver and Orlando, it was literally like, "Here's a well put together man with a beard because he's evil at the beginning." And then like, well, because obviously your evilness is denoted by, by your, a goatee by your beard. Oh, well, no, it, Chase it, is getting eviler by the day. I know he needs well, to stay. Like the evil version of a man is the. You know, you have the clean cut, and then you have the one with the goatee, and the goatee one is evil. Yes. How you evil gotta have are the you? Mustache to I have well. a beard, and therefore I am a saint. No, I've met you. You've got a mustache you can twirl, though, so... It is. It's Your mustache is... Oh, yes. He just... Audience, he just twirled that mustache up like snidely whiplash. Oh yeah, I can snidely whiplash the shit out of my mustachio. And for the younger kids, go look up Hanna Barbera. And <laughs> yeah, wacky racers, wacky racers, Hanna Barbera and the wacky racers. There's that. Did, did you cup. find the Reese cup? Yeah, I'm worried about smashing. Beth it. found the Reese cup with her foot. <laughs> I didn't smash. 
But yes. But yeah. No, that's it. we have the the less extra version of Orlando is just Oliver. He's plenty extra in the beginning because he's evil. Yeah, but he improves. And so I like the He improves. He improves. Well, and his way of being evil is like, better. I don't want my... He got better. I don't want my younger brother to come up and usurp me, so let's just keep him dumb. And I feel no like... No education. But he keeps him dumb and mad is the problem. <laughs> well, and That's he's a bad combination. Dumb, mad, and fighting. Fighting like, Why have you taught him how to fight and but be I... a wrestler and all of this stuff? Well, he's like Brad Pitt and Snatch. But I like... I like <laughs> Oliver's... You like Diggs? I like Oliver's story because I don't think he's I don't think he's evil in the beginning. I think so he's looking comes. at the example of the Dukes where you have Duke Frederick who did usurp his older brother. Mm-hmm. And he's kind Duke of going senior, yes. I don't want that to happen to me. So my so, senior brother's stupid. Well, it's not the greatest move anybody ever made, but But it's not like dressing up like a boy and then pretending <laughs> To having your lover pretend that you are you as a girl. So it's not that kind of crazy. Yes, because Rosalind does in fact go to Orlando and say, Well, I know I'm a dude, but why don't you pretend I'm this lady that you're in love with? Yeah. Why don't you woo me? Woo me. Show me how you would woo Rosalind. Woo me as if I was this lady that I am that that you are in love with. So... As weird as we're like, this is a strange plot, but this isn't this isn't the only time. It doesn't happen twice in Shakespeare plays. It doesn't happen like only three times in Shakespeare plays, but I feel like this happens time. frequently you've in the got, comedies. You've got Viola, you've got Rosalind, you've got Portia. Yeah. Oh. In Merchant of Venice. Oh my gosh. And, and but what and Portia's I, another like extremely strong female character. Yes, no, Portia's strong. It's like the smarter these female characters get the more likely they are to try to dress well, up like a dude and make their dudes then try to hit on them. Well, yeah. because well, the thing is, the thing is, is is I think it you know in a lot of ways, it's Shakespeare's way, and th- especially because of how self-referential this play itself is with the all the worlds of stage and everything like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think that Shakespeare is going for when he writes those strong female characters and has them dress up as dudes is kind of his way of going, look. Ladies can do shit too. It is not like but don't. It's, but it's borrowing the agency of masculinity. Well, to because do it. because at the time that's what he had to work with. And it, it's, it's like also, it's like it's like Danny Trejo in the end of Anchorman when he's like, "Hey, man, ladies can do things too." <laughs> I was going to say it's like a reverse Tootsie, but okay. But no, but, <laughs> but I well, think it's I it think is, it's interesting but, because he gives these females. The power that comes with pretending to be male and lets them use it to run rings around the men in the situation. Because they're smart. Especially Portia. And we'll get to that when we get to Merchant. Well, we'll get to Merchant. Yes, we'll get to Merchant. Because she literally uses her power in the last scene to go, oh no, I'm going to make a fool out of you right now. I love you, but you just crossed a line. I'm going to make a fool out of you. But no, but Rosalind does it. Viola does it. Viola does it, but I feel like Roslyn it did not did not intend for things to get as convoluted as they did. I think she's like really out of. I'm just going to do this one thing with with Orlando, and then all of a sudden Phoebe is there, and all of a sudden Sylvia is there, and all of a sudden she's sitting there going, "This this has gotten out of hand." Well, she she gets way out of hand for Roslyn. So from from this like moment in her friend's bedroom. Having a laugh about a stupid joke that they we're gonna dress up like dudes. Yeah, and 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 in the end of that, what like act one, scene three, scene four, whatever it is, that they're like, no, we're gonna totally run away, and you look like a peasant, rub umber all over your face or whatever, and and we'll run away, and I'll dress up like a dude for safety's sake. And then when you get like because we we can't be two women traveling alone. Four acts later, it's like uh, that was a terrible. Okay, two do, two ladies and a fool. Well, if there's another, then it, then it doesn't. Then look it's like two Touchstone. dudes and a lady. Then yeah. it doesn't yeah. look like Touchstone is doing anything wrong, and they can like this is right. my sister, I'm her brother. But but also, I like I, like I said to, to touch on the point I was making. I think it was yes to do it. Shakespeare had to have them dress up like dudes, but it was his way of going when 
these women are allowed to have the same agency. This is how much better they are at this than men are. Yep. Yeah. And I I saw some kind of... I'm going to do my best to remember how this went. Some discussion that I found on the internet at one point was talking about how the difference between Shakespeare's comedies and Shakespeare's tragedies is that by and large when the women in the story are allowed to be in charge, the show is a comedy that ends well. And when the men are the ones who are in charge, the story becomes a tragedy. Yeah. There are only a few comedies where I can think otherwise. Yeah. Um, The Tempest being one of them. Yes, but The Tempest is a special kind of comedy. Well, it's a romance. Yeah, so it doesn't... It's a little different. Um, I will... Because of the 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 old rule of you know uh, uh, the there's the comedies may or may not end in a marriage, but the romances last or three days in a in a wedding. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's the romances. You know, that's like Tempest, and that Tempest isn't even three days; it's three hours. <laughs> so, what we're really saying is, if instead of a friar, we had had. We had had a nun or an abbess. <laughs> Instead of a friar, we have a lady, whatever. She wouldn't have said, pretend you're dead. She would have grabbed people by the ear, pulled them into the same room, sat them down, and gone, y'all being stupid, y'all gonna knock it off. She'd be smacking wrists with rulers. Look at your life. Look, look at, at your choices. choices. She'd be smacking wrists with rulers. Tessa Gay Nun. Yeah. Yeah, okay. sure. I've known some Tessa Gay Nuns. Sure. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll so, allow it. So let's move away a little bit from the agency of the but, female in this. And let's, but it's the most important part. So, I mean, I guess that's why we've devoted so much time and we to have, it. And we have devoted a very good amount of time to it. And it's made me very happy because that is what makes this. Yeah, I mean, we're almost, we're almost a half hour deep. So we've so, like 20 minutes. Yeah, that's what to, makes this place so endearing. No, to it a is. Lot and, of us. and especially with Rosalind and Celia being so important. So, but I know that you're itching. You're itching. No, oh, you're dying. You're to dying to talk about Touchdown. Oh, I love him. He's so funny. I know, He's but so I, you're, you've been, you've so been aching I, I to have, talk about I have. I've been very good. You have. You've held off. You've held it. off. So, uh, one of the reasons that Touchstone is the greatest fool is because he is a fool with a full storyline. Yes, mm-hmm. he is actually one of the only fools that gets... I disagree that he's the greatest. I I will but, agree that Lear's fool, I think, is a little bit better of a route, but, of a character. But more interesting. I will, I will definitely... Touchstone's top three. As far easy as... Easy top three. Actual fools who are going to be making... Acting like a, an actual court jester in it. He He's... Well, touch, Touchstone is top three. Yeah. Um, and and I totally agree with you there. And I think that Touchstone is, far and away, in a comedy, the best fool. Yeah. He, he obviously, he obviously mm-hmm. wins the crown for best fool in a comedy. Because the other two best fools, in my opinion, are in tragedies. And one of them is only in one scene, and so he, even though is my favorite, is relegated to number three. But I, I, the only fool that I put above Touchstone is the Lears. fool. Yeah, the fool in Lear. in Lear. Yeah. Um, though, though the porter is my favorite fool because that scene is phenomenal, and we'll talk about it when we finally do get to Mackers. Touchstone is the best in a comedy, by far. And the most well-rounded fool in a comedy. Right. Well, he has he has vulnerable moments with Audrey. He has strong moments where he's speaking up for himself. And, and gets a fully fleshed out storyline in a way that not a lot of fools in Shakespeare's time. He gets to be an actual character he as does. opposed to just a joke. Right. Which which I think is true of Feste as well. In Twelfth Night, but Feste's storyline goes to a weird place for me. And even uh, Twelfth Night is kind of garbage anyway. Oh, I love Twelfth Night. We'll talk about that okay. at a later time. So, one of my favorite parts that I talked a little bit before that I think uh, sealed the deal for me with Touchstone 
Like, not only are his puns amazing, because the entire, like, first two acts, whenever Touchstone pops up, he's just going to give you, like, the best pun. It's the only reason my wife would like this show. Oh, gosh, she would love the puns. <laughs> she doesn't, she's not a Shakespeare person, they're, but she loves puns. They're all over the place. If nothing else, though, when I was at home, I was in a better place. Like, that is just one of his perfect lines. But he has this nice bit in here at the very end of the play in Act 5 um, where he talk, he's talking with a duke about um, all the different retorts that he can get and the dangers that he's at. And um, what he's got the retort courteous and the quip modest and the reply curlish and the counter check quarrelsome. So all of these seven different things that he's come up with that are all of the different the ways that he retorts. can respond to any no, given... These are the retorts he gets. Yeah. He says one line. These are all the different retorts he gets. It it puts him at this place beyond just being a quick wit. Mm-hmm. He is smart. He knows he, how to read the room. He knows how to read the room. He has gone to a, a very, like, broken down level of being a fool. Like, this is what it means to be a fool. Here is the actual, like, philosophy behind it. Here is a formula that anyone could follow. I have developed this formula. You all can follow it. You can be just well, as he's, a, he's a fully realized character. Yeah. So he's got all of these great fully realized things, but he still embodies the fool. So there were times we've talked about, like, the clown the in uh, Winter's Tale. He's not a fool. He's just an idiot child. So there's there's times that we get these characters that are the fool. They're supposed to be the court jester. They're supposed to be this. They're not actually a foil or a fool. No, whereas then, Touchstone definitely is. And then we get the juxtaposition, because we like our juxtapositions, between Touchstone um, and Jacques of being the anti-fool. So whereas Touchstone is all merriment... Jacques... Jacques is all melancholy. And so they are the perfect antithesis for each other. Mm-hmm. Which makes every scene that Touchstone is in, there is a fool. And every scene that Jacques is in, there is a fool. Mm-hmm. Because he plays the equal other side of that same coin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that's probably, when it comes down to, why Beth? Why is As You Like It your favorite Shakespeare play? Because there's two beautifully strong female characters in it. And two fully fleshed out fools who are the perfect mirrors of each other. They're the opposites of each mm. other, yeah. And there's a ridiculous story about a snake and a lion. But you can't, you you cannot make fun of Winter's Tale anymore. I can. No, you can't. <laughs> I, I no. have a tongue. Hymen, the goddess of marriage, descends from the heavens. So that's why you were going back to the back cabin two to three times a day for she 20... Was polishing the statue. For 25 years. 16. 16. 16 and she was polishing the statue. That's yeah, she was polishing boy. something. I'm not saying that Winter's Tale isn't ridiculous. I'm just saying you that can't, you, you can't make fun no, of it anymore. You, you I will. because of how much you love this play, you cannot give Winter's Tale shit. I would like the audience to know that I have my full and free agency and will continue to make fun of Winter's Tale. Um, but you're wrong. I find it a delightful play, and I enjoy it, but the ridiculousness is on different levels, and no. it doesn't have the redemption qualities that I enjoy. No, 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 no. Hyman, the goddess of marriage. Eight people enter, four couples leave. Yes, just because marriage thunderdome happens doesn't mean that this play is not as ridiculous it's equal. There's a, okay. Bear bear eats a dude. Lion tries to eat a dude, but fails because Orlando because is a really Orlando good wrestler. It in the because Orlando punches the lion. Maybe if Antigonus had just been willing to punch the bear, things would have been. Well, you know what? But Antigonus didn't have any help because Antigonus only had a rich baby. I still believe. 100% in my heart that Antigonus just ran off and became a friar and he led to other two other things. No, Antigonus got his arm ripped off. He died. Yeah, sure. No one saw that. That was off stage. No, the bear was not cauterizing the wound. I brought this up when we talked about it. He's the a bear Jedi. wasn't over there eating, eating irons in the fire to save Antigonus's life. Bear. Wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna rip off your arm, but I don't want you to die. Antigonus, so, Antigonus lived a little bit after, just as Desdemona lived a little bit after from being strangled. <laughs> yeah, she was strangled to death. Ryan, I'm just saying the bear was a Jedi, and Antigonus became a friar. No! 
No! Yes. No! Your only argument against it is just to say no over and over again. No, my only argument is against it is when a bear rips your arm off, you're dead. Not if it's a Jedi bear. <laughs> there are no Jedi bears in Shakespeare, Beth. Oh, oh there can be anything you want in Shakespeare. Not, first of all, not with that attitude. There's not... <laughs> Oh, sweet evil. Although Jesus. I do I do want to point out that at the end of this play we have not one but two characters going off to become friars. <gasps> and so And both make poor go, decisions all the go, time. Hey, you know It's Frederick and Jacquez and, and they're Jacquez, both yeah. And Jacquez can be like, you know, this convoluted plan thing. I'm gonna go to Verona I'm and do it again. <laughs> Well, I, it saw, all connects. I, I saw it some all shit connects. in the forest of Arden. Look, and this, I'm gonna, this girl I know, Rosalind, she came up with this convoluted plan and it totally worked. But it would have so, been so much better if she pretended to be dead. It would have worked so much better if there was poison involved. <laughs> that is definitely the melancholy right there. He's Thinking like, it would be better if there was poison He's like, if, if she had poisoned herself, this play would have been better. I think that's that's really him just being like, I, Rosalind, ruined everything. Poisoner! Jackwiss is Eeyore. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. I could suck the melancholy out of a song like a weasel sucks eggs. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. Rosalind should have poisoned herself. <laughs> Jedi bears. <laughs> Oh, well, that I watched the guy nail some poems to a tree. That can we can we talk about Let's take a moment to talk about do we want to talk about adaptation again? Um I was really rather Cuz we can. I don't have a lot to talk about on my end of the adaptation. Yeah, where's where where's our YA you know adaptation of this play? Know that there is what. Oh, so, Cassie, so, we rely on you for I a YA adaptation. I'm going to go with there's not necessarily a YA adaptation, but um, I think every Kiwi drama I've ever watched and <laughs> every Korean uh, drama I've ever watched basically follows. Beth the same does line. love K drama? Basically follows the same. I do. Basically follows the <laughs> same plot line of. <laughs> I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. But we must have some convoluted reason why we can't be together or that you don't see me for who I actually am. Well, it's a, it's a soap opera thing. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I mean, this play is a soap opera. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Drake Ramore from Friends when Joey Tribbiani's playing, <laughs> you know, like, and then he comes back as like his evil doctor twin well, brother. When you look at, when you look at the play... I can't believe I remembered that the character was Drake Ramore. When you look at the basic <laughs> plot line of the play itself... It is, there is, like, no, there's, like, no plot. <laughs> there's no crisis moments. The well, only... no, there is a crisis. Orlando solves it by punching a lion. But that happens, that happens offstage. Like, it's like a, the reason he's not here, so that could, that could have easily been, like, you and Chase, like, making up a story for why Chase is late for dinner, only you did it by cutting Chase's arm and wrapping a napkin in it. So the, Well, Chase, now I know that if I need you to be late for dinner sometime, arm napkins. Mm. Arm napkins. Mm. So, um, hey, Cassie, here's this bloody arm uh, napkin. Oh, dear. So, okay, Not so again. using the power of the internet, um, I found... Not a YA adaptation, but I found this wonderful person who's doing the Lord's work on Tumblr. <laughs> uh, on Tumblr, on no Tumblr. less. Her name is Shaylet. And what she has done is she has compiled a complete list of literary web series adaptations of literature. So she's got a whole section on William Shakespeare, and there are apparently two literary, literary web, web series, series based on See, As You Like It. That's the other thing we rely on you for. I know. So, and now I've got adaptations this and help. web series. So there are apparently two. One's called The Better Strangers, and one's called Like As It Is. Like it? That's a terrible one. I have not seen either of those or heard of either of those. The um, first name is better. The first name is better, so watch that one. And then I know that there are... Like as it is, that's a terrible name. I feel like there are bits and pieces of this and some that... Some... Well, and we, we already did throw out a few film adaptations. There was a Lauren, right, yeah. there was a Laurence Olivier from the 30s where he plays Orlando... There's a Vanessa Redgrave as Rosalind. There's Helen Mirren, who is amazing and delightful, plays Rosalind. There's the most recent, which is the Kenneth Branagh, Bryce Dallas Howard plays Rosalind. 
Um, there's a, a stage version with Patti Lupone from the from the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, where Patti Lupone plays Rosalind. Um, obviously, this is the Rosalind being the role that women want to play in this play. Yes. Although honestly, Nobody's, I mean, I'd Celia. Is I'd, rather, I'd rather play Celia. Celia yeah. is fantastic, but you don't see the famous actresses going out of their way to play Celia. That's fair. Um, not because there's anything wrong with Celia. I think it's just Rosalind is the name draw. Is there a is there a play based on this that focuses on Audrey as the main character? I not that I'm aware of. But no, if there is, I mean, I, that would be interesting. Look, I vaguely remember when I was approximately nine years old going to see a show that I know involved the Forest of Arden and I know involved Audrey. And You're positive it wasn't Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> that was where I was going, Chase, because Audrey in that is a plant. Well, I feel like... I am positive it was not that, but okay. I, I... I was thinking the same thing, Chase. But because don't, I was don't. nine, yeah, I, know, I, know. I, I don't... Think Feed it me, was Orlando. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but I feel Good like night, John Boy. <laughs> I feel like I would have remembered We're not done yet, bitch. If it was the actual play that I saw when I was If nine. you actually saw As You Like It. Yeah, then, but I, I don't I feel like it was an adaptation. I did see uh, Mommy Valley Country Day High School did As You Like It a few years ago and actually did a pretty good job with it hmm. for a high school doing Shakespeare. Um Oh yes, the good old MMVCD. There is MMVCD. Yep. There is a musical out there. Go fight! The yeah, I'm seeing like that too. Um, but that probably is. We as have bad. a track meet there every year at Mommy Valley Country Day. That's wow. probably as bad as the musical version of Love's Labor's Lost, which was everything about Love's Labor's Don't Lost. Don't say that in front of my student Daniel Cagle because he will beat you up. It is his favorite musical. Love's Labor's Lost is terrible. I like a lot of musicals that are terrible too. I don't like musicals. I know. Um, the I, I feel like in the, when it comes to adaptations and the cross-dressing genre of within Shakespeare, trope within Shakespeare, they focus really on Twelfth Night. Well, Twelfth Night is a big one because of mm-hmm. Viola. I, Viola is... There was that 80s One of the Guys movie that's pretty much an adaptation of Twelfth Night. Well, there's, I'm doing there's, this because the cover's got like the two... She's the Man. There's She's, she's the, the man, man, which is from the 90s, which has got Freddie Prinze Jr. in it because he was in everything in the 90s. It does Lindsay Lohan? No. No, no, it's, no, um, no it's, it's, it's... Amanda uh, Bynes. Oh, Amanda there we go. Bynes. Okay. No, it's not. Yes, it is. She's the Man is Amanda Bynes because she plays a football, a football star. Soccer. Soccer star. Okay. Um, and I think it's Channing Tatum. Mm. Yes, it is. It's Channing Tatum. It's a very young Channing Tatum. Oh, that's... Yeah, okay. I'm thinking the wrong one, then. I'm thinking of a different one. Um, Yeah, she's the man. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it, but yeah, it's garbage. All right, this is really going to bother me, because I'm I'm positive about this. I'm going to have to ask my father. There has to be another adaptation of that that came out. And yeah, that's from the 2000s. That's like 2006. Yeah, so there's there's not... I think there's not a ton... There's a lot of the cross-dressing that does happen a lot in our Mm -hmm. adaptations. But I do think they mainly focus on Twelfth Night, which I do enjoy quite a bit. Right, right. I'm um, not a huge fan of Twelfth Night, and we'll get to that when we get no there. Is it because there's no she lioness ripping apart? Well, I mean, it would be better and if no there Jedi was... Bears. Jedi bears, no, no Jedi, Jedi bears. bears. And no it would be better movie. if there was a lioness in in uh, Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night. But no, I, Twelfth Night, I'm just not a huge fan. I mean, I like, I like the drunkards in that. They're fun. They are. I had fun playing that part. I I played one of them once. Uh, I've I've been in Twelfth Night a couple of times, and I enjoyed I playing have, Sir Andrew Agu Cheek. But I have a fondness for Twelfth Night because I did get to play Viola, which I just, was a fun in, role. In general, I'm not a huge fan of that play. But we're not talking about that play. We're, we're still trying play. to get through this play, which I mean, it's slightly better than that. It's a lot better than that. I like Winter's Tale better, honestly. Good. Me too. I'm glad. Because Winter's Tale, it, you know, at least owns up to its ridiculousness. Well, and I feel like Winter's Tale uh, is honestly a little less convoluted. Yes, it's less convoluted. It's just as like, ridiculous. I feel like I need a string map on the wall to, like, connect. Yeah, you need, Charlie, Charlie, Day. You need Charlie Day to, yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 wait. 
less convoluted. No, yes. yes. No, no, we're going to stop. I need to stop for a second. You No, I there's need, no stopping I, no, this train. I need, I, need the, I need the talking stick. So we're saying... I have one. It's on my desk in the other room. That the play that has rich baby left in the middle of the woods... Who what, then will, Who will then grow up to come back and save the day... That's not convoluted. That's very straightforward. Oh. <laughs> that's that's the that's Joseph Campbell right there. That's hero's story. There's literally... That's, that's, that's how Rome was Solid. founded, kids. Solid. That's how Rome was founded. It's two little babies suckling on a wolf teeth. So, okay, no, but there's one baby, and it's a rich baby. There's no wolf teat suckling twin this, babies. This is just an episode of Days of Our Lives. And have you watched an episode then of Days of Our Lives? Days of Our Lives. I'm sorry, I feel a chemistry class to watch Days of Our okay, Lives. Okay, yeah, but they're trying to they're trying to cover twelve different storylines an episode, so each storyline gets let's, two minutes. Let's stop. It's six different storylines. Yeah, and it's got. Eight people enter. Four couples leave. <laughs> and there were four different couples the episode before. Don't try to feed me this but fucking... This is less convoluted. Here's Winter's Tale back. is less convoluted than this. I can summarize Winter's Tale for you very quickly. Can, can Anthony summarize. and Cleopatra it? Oh, I can Anthony and Cleopatra this one. No, no you can't. No. Because every time I tried to move the plot along, you told me I was wrong. You were... Because you were... All right, Chase. No, I was trying to move the plot along, and you would not. You, you and you me? kept tying it up. Don't point with your, your finger at me. No, with your with your convoluted soap operaness. You mean we told you that something happened in act in scene three or a scene five? Okay, you guys took half an hour in act. <sighs> that would have made this entire that first podcast two and a half hours long. It was. I swear the to God. The point it is... Was, it was an hour and 20 minutes long. Winter's Tale... The longest one we've done. Winter's Tale does not have eight people falling in love with each other in various combinations. It needs to be sorted out by a person literally going, everybody stay where you all are. Right, right. I'm going to run off to my supposed magic uncle and then come Yeah, back. let me go to my magic <laughs> uncle. Don't worry. He's got a... Hey, oh. hey, don't worry. Don't worry. I got a magic uncle. Magic uncle. Magic uncle. So, yeah, so don't even... All, the entire plot of this is just like... Magic uncle. One one brother goes to the forest, the other brother stays to rule. He kicks daughter and, daughter out. Daughter and niece both go to the woods. So does the guy that daughter and niece all go to the woods. Magic uncle was a story that Gamma made, made, made up. Magic uncle. The fact that Orlando buys hook... Magic uncle. Should we talk for a second about how Orlando buys hook... Line and sinker. Magic Uncle. Magic Uncle, as well as Gamamede as a whole. Well, I don't think anybody in the forest has their entire brain intact because you got Duke Senor and Orlando looking at Ganymede going, Kind of looks like my daughter. Hey, isn't Rosalind supposed to be around here somewhere? That's Celia, her cousin. If I only like, had a Celia's, brain. Okay, here's the thing. Celia's not even in disguise. No, she, she's just she going just by a different by name. A different name. She put dirt on her face. She put dirt she on umber. her face. She put out of her. She found some umber. So I'm sorry. I think Duke Senior has been living off bark and berries too long, and it's affecting uh, his deer because they put the deer antlers on his head. Duh. He's been having a little, a few too many farmhouse sales. <laughs> In fact, I believe at one point he goes, "Who caught us the venison tonight?" I'm like, "You mean who killed the deer?" Ugh. He just refers to, instead of referring to the animal that was hunted, it was who hunted the venison, not who hunted the deer. Well, because at the time, that's what I would have referred to it. Uh. Magic uncle! Monkle. My eardrum. Monkle. My eardrum just exploded with magic uncle. Did you say monkle? Alright, so for the record, audience, I'm sorry. Apparently, rich naked baby left in the woods is so much more plausible and simple are not the same things. Plausible and convoluted are two completely different topics of conversation. Right. Yeah, we're not talking about plausibility, we're talking about convoluted nature. Rich baby getting adopted by weird farm dude is less convoluted than a woman making up a rich uncle to make her own story no, smooth. Magic yes. uncle, magic no, magic uncle. uncle in Wedding Thunderdome <laughs> is more fucking convoluted than rich baby and statue. statue. All right, fine. It's more convoluted, but I like it better. That's 
fair. You can. That's fine. You can admit that you like it then better. Then we're done with the argument. It's more convoluted, and I like it better. Okay. Argument <laughs> over. I solved it. Look at that. Beth admitted she was wrong right there. You can rewind the tape and see that I never said that. Just like you, I just said it out of order. <laughs> Mine at least was actually verifiable that I just said something out of order. I'm Beth, really worried that he's going to stab me. Beth, Beth walked back her entire thing there. Eh, I just gave in because I'm done with the argument. I'm bored with it. So, Because she was wrong. It's all subjective, so sure. I was wrong Magic about uncle. my subjective opinion. <laughs> it's not subjective. You were wrong. Magic uncle. <laughs> like uh, I said, magic uncle. There was a or as Chase magic. likes to call him, the monkle. First of all, good job, monkle. I have Wait, a... wait. Ferdinand does become... He does become Rosalind's monkle. <laughs> oh, oh that, was, that was a meth level segue and pun. I'm going to give it a high five. I'm going to give it a high five. Oh, that was a good one. He, oh. he is a monkle. He is a monk... Uncle. Yes. He becomes Rosalind's uncle. Yay! Like like a magical uncle. Like a magic uncle. Because Jesus gives him magic uncle well, powers. So, I just, there's this moment with Orlando. He just must be like, he must have hit his head so many times. Well, because obviously, because like, he's he fought everything. everything. He's fought everything. traumatic brain damage. Well, so I buy he's got it. CT. In the he's same, got CT. In the same conversation where he's like, I thought it kind of looked like Rosalind too, but don't worry. He's born. This Ganymede is born here in the forest. He told me all about it and was raised by his magic uncle. He like gives this story to like, Duke like Senior. Like straight up, like yeah, straight face. Like yeah, it to- it's to- I bought it. Yeah, I, and I just line and sinker. And this smart woman, Rosaline, is like, I want that dumb, pretty man in my bed. Currently, he is so pretty and he is so dumb. Well, because Rosalind's like, I get everything I want, I keep my agency, yeah, because he is too dumb to take it from she, me. Well, she could easily just run circles around him, like mentally, does she has nothing time. to worry about, but he's nice, yeah. Except, I mean, except for wanting to punch everything. Punch everything. He is he is but nice. He adores her. And he, he is in love. He is madly in love with her. He and he is a beautiful specimen of a man. And that's all. She's fine with that. That's all she needs. It's good. She is, she is his butt. That's fine. She is fine with touching his butt and being happy. Let her touch the butt. She just wants to touch the butt. That's why Ooh. Cassie married Chase. Look at this specimen of a man. She was like, I want to touch his butt. She waited till he'd been punched <laughs> instead of the other way around. Did they make her teeth bleed? His teeth were made to are bleed. We, are we far enough away that that is something we can joke about? Oh, we can joke about that. I Cassie, we, no, Cassie. Yeah, Ryan, you don't get to decide yeah, I think, that. I think I don't get to decide if we're well, too close okay. to it. Light, light joking. Because, okay. you know... I still can't feel part of my face. Okay, well, it was a okay. traumatic experience. Okay, Chase, the joke's already. But it been, did get you in there, right? The the joke has already been made for like your entire relationship. Uh, well I don't aware. know. If you, I don't know if you know. Oh this. no, well aware. I, I as well but, but solidified my relationship with my Beth husband. Did the same thing that Cassie did. Right. I waited till Chris's appendix exploded, and then I just like whoo swooped like in Chris. There. Chris had appendix oh. appendicitis. His appendix blew up, and Beth swooped him. While he was in the hospital, just like Cassie did to you, I actually did not visit Chase in the hospital. Because oh, you should have because you got. I got... thought it would be weird. Oh. Bryn invited me, and I went. I don't really know him that well. I would be really. But you still, weird you still now. swooped him while he was injured. I did. I I got my first kiss while Chris was on Viking, but I did go to the hospital. I got to watch him walk to the bathroom in the little gown, his little butt sticking out. It was real cute. <laughs> it was real cutie. Beth got him all drugged up. I did. I did. I don't then, like your way of getting husbands. Sorry, that was a joke. That was that was ostentatious of me. But a lot of high fives in this episode. There are there's many many high fives in this episode. Right. We of are as you we like are it. on a theater high because we all went and saw theater today. Yeah, every every one of us actually got to partake in some theater. We saw some jazzed. of us saw some stuff that was better than others. 
And it's also but, like twelve thirty, which is most of the time. And like we've been four hours after bedtime. We've yeah. been drinking for a while, and I've been up since I went to the brewery this morning to do a cleaning day up at the brewery, and then took Izzy to a teaching day that Hannah had. So I like I have been going nonstop today. Mm. So all right, he's taking a picture to to figure out where we are. Yeah, um, but we should probably get some final thoughts on the play and wrap mm-hmm. it up. Okay. Um, I'll not start. Okay. Cassie, do you want to start? <laughs> oh, golly. Um, I like this one. I, I, I do. I like the characters a lot. I think that there's a lot to, you know, laugh at and to root for and that nobody is really... Vile. Yeah. Like, they're all... Even, there's no terrible people in there's, this Yeah. Play. There's Oliver, who gets a nice redemption story... Ferdinand as well, yeah, or Frederick. Frederick. Sorry, whatever his name well, is. Well, and even so, he—he's just a foil. He's yeah, he's fine. He well, he's there to kick off the plot. Yeah, yeah. and then eventually he becomes the monkle. And it's just like <laughs> it's people sitting around in a forest and discussing philosophy and yeah, really, well, it's, it's, really it's bad a poetry. Comedy. And I mean, I, I I like some of the ridiculousness about it too. And I I really do like. Well, your favorite play is, is the winner. Well, the it's not my favorite, but it's up there. I enjoy it. Your okay, um, high level enjoyment for you comes from a Winter's Tale, which is <laughs> the other most ridiculous play that we've gotten to so far. I believe when we reread Comedy of Errors, we're also going to go. What? Why? Because the Monachmai, the last time I read that for a classic Civ class, oh, it was ridiculous, and it's based off the same thing. So yeah, um, I'll go ahead and give my my parting thoughts on this. Um, I don't hate it; it's just not my favorite comedy. Um, I think everybody that knows me knows my favorite comedy is The Tempest for reasons. Um, I think it is overall a, The Tempest is overall better written and less convoluted by far um that being said i enjoy as you like it i enjoy it in the same way that i can enjoy a winter's tale it is a fun good time like this one i'll put as you like it a little bit ahead of a winter's tale because i think that touchstone really does as far as fools go he is one of the best fools that Shakespeare wrote. Um, my favorite fool being the porter. A better fool being the fool from Lear, who we'll get to eventually. And my favorite comedy having a trio of fools. And so it's hard to put any one of them above Touchstone as far as comedically. So I give Touchstone best comedic play Fool, and so he ranks pretty high up there for me, and that gives that gives this play a slight edge over a Winter's Tale because a Winter's Tale doesn't have a true fool, mm-hmm. but this play is way more fucked up and convoluted than a Winter's Tale. I don't care what Beth says; she's wrong about that. Wedding Thunderdome. <laughs> yes, Thunderdome. Wedding Thunderdome is way more fucked up and lioness punching. <sighs> oh. You're just leading into all the things I love about this play. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's, that's yeah. So my final thoughts are, all of the things that Ryan just said are my favorite things. I Of course they are. I love the fool. I love the female characters that we get in them, except for Phoebe. Cause... Well, um, Audrey and Phoebe are nothing compared to Rosalind and Sue. Right, but Phoebe's actually, she's obnoxious. She this is one of my least favorite. Ugh. All right. But I get that. I, I get I, that. the the craziness that starts to happen in like Act Four and Five, where we had to like find a way to get Oliver into the plot line, and then how do we smooth this all these wrinkles out as quickly as possible? It just reminds me of what it would have been like to write write these plays as organic and living things. While you're trying to stage other stuff. And the fact that he constantly refers to his own works in the middle of it. It's just so ridiculous. Well, it's incredibly, it's so incredibly self-referential. Oh. And all the world's a stage, obviously. Oh, mm-hmm. and these are these are the things I love. The fact that there is this just... This weird, like, 
you had a snake around your neck and then a lion attacked you moment. You couldn't get any more. Well, and with all the world's a stage, it's like that is that is one of the most famous speeches in in English. It's true. At least the beginning, the opening stands like the opening line of that. Everyone knows. I would everyone go, knows all the world's a stage and the men and women merely players. Like would, everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. It's right up there with to be or not to be. And it's right up there with we few, we happy few. Like nobody knows the beginning of St. Crispin's Day, but everybody knows the the last part, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Once that goes more into the breach? Well, once more into the breach also goes up there, and that's not you know, but Okay. It's less famous than St. Crispin's Day. Either way, uh, my final thoughts, not yours. My I'm allowed God. to tag in on your shit, Beth. <laughs> Those are the reasons You that tagged I... in on Cassie's shit. Yeah, but I kept my mouth shut while you were talking. Either way, we're not children. Stop making me act like a four-year-old because it's 12. I don't make you act like a four-year-old. You are a four-year-old. All right, and with that being said, my name's Beth Rollers. <laughs> I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm Ryan Apple. I'm Chase Greenlee, and I'm pretty sure Beth is a five-year-old. <laughs> she is a five-year-old. I am eight. I am a child. We all know this. <laughs> Say goodnight, John Boy. Goodnight, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. What, Paul? What, Paul? Nope. Nope in there. <laughs>